Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. Uh, this week's episode, I am rejoined by good friend Phil Shepard. Uh, we had a really fun uh, encounter uh, one night after a show, and it just inspired us to get together and do do another episode. And it turned out to be really fun. Uh, great. Plugs. Uh, switching gears abruptly. Um if you're listening to this, the week it comes out, the Wednesday it comes out, uh, the 14th. This Friday, Dad's Clown is doing a show called The After Party, where we will be uh, joined by a bunch of our friends on different teams and on stage with us doing our set. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's also going to be the first time we uh, tried this new thing where we stream the whole show on Instagram Live. Um, cool idea that was given to us, and so we want to go ahead and give it a shot, get weird with it. So, uh, Friday at 10 is the time, location for Coalition Theater as always. Um, normal plugs, RVA Comedy, check out shows, check out Trash Bangs YouTube, DJ Noise, uh, Mashups, we've got a lot of cool stuff coming out. Um, and, oh, the IPW goes back in November, so don't miss that. Uh, great. That's all the plugs, good intro. Um, let's get into it. Must be your skin, I'm sinking. Must be for real, cause now I can feel. I didn't mind, it's not my kind. It's not my time to wonder why. Everything all white, everything's gray. Now you're here, now you're away. I don't want You said uh, a summertime meow that made me laugh. Summertime, summertime meow. That's Floyd for sure. Um, so I got this note while I was doing, uh, I was meeting with someone who's uh, Adam from the Ad Crowdcast who's on the network. And he made a point to say that I should introduce myself and my guest um, for anyone listening for the first time. So, that's a good. Uh, that's always a good thing to put in a podcast. I feel like that's that's the thing. Uh, I'm your host, Jonathan Stowey, um, and you're Phil Shepard. I'm Phil Shepard. I don't really know what else to say. Like, I mean, I guess we're going to get into it. Like that's the that's the gist, though. Right? Mm-hmm. People will realize the true weight of that statement by the end of this interview. <laughs> we set it up to knock it down. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Right now, you're like, why are they spending so much time on just introducing him? <laughs> and it's like it's all going to pay back, guys. Yeah. We uh, we 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 take we take we take before mm-hmm. we give give give. Mm-hmm. This is Chekhov's name. And so that means by the end of this, we're going to use that name again. We're going to check off that name. We're going to check off that name. What is Chekhov's name? Um, I know that Chekhov was a playwright who, uh, uh, the way I understand it is the original saying is Chekhov's gun. And it's like a gun that you see in the first act of a play that you know is going to be used in the third act. Mm. So it's like a term for effective foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess maybe tangible 
in the, in the yeah in the oh yeah there's also sense. that tangibility where you can like focus it on one object and it plays like a big part I'm assuming at the beginning or maybe I guess maybe the cool aspect could be maybe it's a smaller part at the mm-hmm. beginning yeah. where it's just there and it's like you don't realize the oh, bigness okay. of it until yeah. later when it's used yeah well, so when I say this is Phil Shepard uh, they don't they don't realize that they just I just pull the gun on them mm-hmm the gun that we saw at the beginning of the episode. And then it's going to just come right back. Mm-hmm. But it's not always a gun. Sometimes it can be other stuff. Like a uh, banana. A banana, yeah. A banana would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and Billy Madison. No, I don't think that counts as a Chekhov's banana. The the banana that kills the O'Doyle family. What? Uh, and Billy Madison. I've not seen Billy Madison, apparently, or what? I don't remember it. I feel like I have seen it, but I don't remember what the hell you're talking about. There's just, like, this weird joke where, like, earlier in the movie, uh, the bus driver throws a banana peel. Um, uh, uh, zoop, zoop. That's what the mopeds make. I wonder if they could eat that. They're probably good. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. That thing's... Like, a mopeds have a very piercing sound. Like, oh, my God. It won't go away. It interrupted my sentence. It interrupted <laughs> everything. That's what this whole podcast is about now. <laughs> it okay. go. We, like, an air? like an air horn? No, like a, a blower. Oh, a leaf blower. Air, air blower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, an air blower. <laughs> uh, mopeds actually have air blowers on the back of them, I think. <laughs> Just little, little propellers. Yeah. <laughs> little propellers on the back of mopeds. That's how they go. Yeah, it's a regular bike, and there's a guy with a little propeller <laughs> backpack. Scooter Brothers. Mm-hmm. Meow. There he is. All right, there he is. What's your cat's name? Um, you said it earlier, and I nodded like I understood, but I really didn't hear it. Uh, that was right when you got in, and I threw it on you without giving you a moment to prepare. Yeah, are you embarrassed about it or something? No, not at all. Okay, uh, don't say it yet. Um, I'm trying to draw the suspense. <laughs> well, okay, so, like, I, it, it was, yeah, you walked right in, and I I was like, oh, that's, and I named, I named the, uh, my cat, and it was. I made eye contact with the cat and said, hello, how do you do? How do you do? <laughs> As you do, but I was also, you were still walking in, you had a bag, you had your bag, and you had your hat, and I was like, adjusting to a new space, so I could see how that totally just went over your head. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my cat ten years ago. No, six years ago. He was oh, six years. I got him, I think. Oh, okay. He is ten. Um, in New Orleans, his name, and I named him after my godfather's cat. Okay. Who, they look the same. They have different, like, temperaments, but they have, like, like the same, like, fur style and everything. Uh, so my godfather's cat's name was Pretty Boy Floyd, named after the 1920s oh. bank robber. And, and Pretty Boy. Yeah. So Pretty Boy Floyd Jr. is my cat's name. Oh, that's... That was, like, a little play. I mean, he can't really, sound really, not really a junior, but... He is a pretty boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Normally, again, back to summertime meow. Normally his meow is a lot uh, more angelic, I would say. Angelic. Yeah, that makes me sweet. think there's, like, reverb on it. Sometimes there is. <laughs> Sometimes I just... Yeah. Maybe I invent it, but there's a little bit of reverb. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but this meow, it's... Um, there is, like, a sort of annoyed an annoyed quality to it, I think. Mm-hmm. He said he hasn't... Excuse me. He hasn't been handling the heat well. Well, I I have figured out how to keep my apartment mostly cold. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, livable now. So, I feel like... After the show, we got to talk about that. I need some tips. <laughs> I, it's that. It's that, that big-ass no, 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 AC. Unit. I left it on for the non-episode because it was so hot that day, which mm-hmm. is the last one. I, and it like, fucked up all the audio. Um, 
sun is hot today, but I was just like that day I couldn't. So that, I mean, living here during the hot, like I felt like it was, I felt like it was the hottest month. Uh, it was awful. Oh yeah, yeah. No, um, uh, I, I can't like I'm having trouble. Uh, like I like recording podcasts as well, or I'd I'd like to. Uh, when I lived in a nicer apartment, it was easier it was to central. do that. Yeah, because like we, uh, I didn't have to have a window unit blaring all the time. But it's like in my house where I live now, it's like. I don't really have any space that I could use as like a recording space, uh-huh. and uh, and which means I would have to have people in my bedroom. And my bedroom in the summer heats up like so much because it catches so much sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I do have a balcony, which is nice. Um, so is it worth it? No. But it's where I live. Um, so I can't have people over to my house because it's too awful, and that means I can't record podcasts at my house. There we go. Got it. Uh, I feel the same way. I mean, I'm doing it on, at my kitchen table. Um, so, But you got a good setup here. I was complimenting it earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, I meant it. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. What are three things you like about it? I like that Sloppy Joe eating uh, You'll talk about it later. You'll talk okay. about it later. I promise. Okay. okay. I promise. Fine. I'll ask you about it. Fine. Uh, the number of rugs in here is great. Ooh, yes. I got it. Actually, I got complimented mm-hmm. on that. I'm not episode. Yeah. Well, it seems like a, a, a quiet space. Like, uh, like, I can tell that, like, even if I scoot around in the chair, it won't make that much noise. Mm-hmm. And also, when you live in a building like this, uh, that can really help. Uh, yeah. That can like be a courtesy for your neighbors is to put a bunch of rugs all over the place. That was definitely that was definitely my initial attention, intention um, with thinking about getting rugs. But then I saw how nice they looked, and I was like, I have to get better, more and better rugs. Mm-hmm. They go together well, and it's like there's so much detail in them that um, uh, they just bring so much more life into this uh, this apartment. Which uh, it's like your apartment would be like so bad without the rugs. Like I'd fucking hate it here, and I'd. Uh, you would have um, complained about it instead of complimenting it? Yeah, I would have uh, mercilessly complained. Mercilessly complained, please don't. No, I, I would like it either way. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the whole, to to do my uh, host swing into making it mean something about the creativity aspect of the show. Like, it's about setting an intention. It's like, my intention is to have this space be comfortable. My intention is to have this space, you know, be effective for sound and making sure that everything goes well. But like, and here's here's the like abrupt swing. Do you find that like with your creative aspects that um, you are intentional with what you're doing, and if so, in what way? Um, I feel like most of the time I'm not, but it's because I'm lazy and like I want to be more intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched uh, Eyes Wide Shut, uh, Kubrick's last movie uh, that he died for, um, that he got killed because he made. Um, but like one of the things about like him is like everyone talks about how like uh, he every he was meticulously intentional with everything that was included in the scene and uh, or in in like a shot, um, like all of the props in the back around all of like the outfits um any sort of like camera angle uh it all like uh has a meaning for how he wants you to uh think about the characters um like in eyes wide shut the uh um what is it nicole kidman she's always uh he wants you to uh focus on her looks so her first line in the movie is her uh, asking tom cruise like how do i look and like for a lot of the rest of the movie more than any other character she's shot through like mirrors and stuff 
looking at herself. Yeah, and it's like all of these like uh, small details that like maybe um, uh, if you don't want to think about them, they're like, no, it's just like cool stuff, and it like kind of works and stuff. But the idea of like uh, uh, that they're meticulous and stuff, I find that really respectable sure. and like going for um, a, a vision that's that specific is always very interesting. Uh, of course, I had uh, also uh, read that that movie was like hell to be on. Uh, so there's also that side of it. I guess when it comes to things like like movies, um, it can be a bit of a drag being that meticulous. Also, sure. I mean, there is there is uh, a lot to say about like crediting the attention to detail, but also I feel like that's always for me something that is uh, is something I go through by myself. Like mm-hmm. I. I People don't necessarily think to the level of detail that I might, or I don't think to their level or whatever. But like trying to get, I guess I'm looking more at like a team or a group because you know we we do a lot of improv with teams, so that's something we're going to talk about for sure. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I we make a note. We got to make a note. We got to talk about improv at some I, point. I almost forgot. To I'm worried improv. we're going to forget. <laughs> I think we might forget. Um, <laughs> But like to 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 stress the importance of every detail, um, and get everyone on board, and make sure everyone's feeling that same way. Uh, I feel like that's not always easy to get, and especially again going back to like your example, of like a whole crew. Mm-hmm. Like, are they gonna? Is everyone gonna care as much? Does anyone care about your work as much as you do? Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, no, I feel like most of the time I end up uh, going with, like, well, I can't exactly tell where everyone's, like, going or everyone that, um, so, or in the sense of improv, like you were talking about with a, uh, uh, um, with a team uh, sort of exercise like that. Uh, some, uh, I guess, like, uh, I figure I can't tell exactly where everyone is going, so I settle for uh, being, like, less meticulous or less specific as a way to, like, uh, I guess also be more open. Yeah. But I don't know if that's always like, like is being super meticulous always the opposite of being open to like suggestion or anything? Cause you can be open to changing your meticulous thoughts. And yeah. Yeah. Meticulous thoughts. And like, um, yeah, that doesn't, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so you can be open to changing your meticulous thoughts. I feel like that's, that's, but, but I guess that's the thing is like, if you have a meticulous thought, I feel like some people are the type, and I feel like it's natural with how much uh, work you've put into that detail, to mm-hmm. uh, want to hold on to that detail and not want to change. Not, not that you're not open to change, but like you really don't want to change, I mean, at best kind of thing. Or mm-hmm. maybe you're completely not open to change because of the amount of work you've put into it, because of your vision. Yeah. It's so like, uh, uh, as much you? as it could be laziness, it could also just be like a, I know it's best to do this, so this is just how I operate by default. And I don't even think about it anymore because I'm always open to what are we doing together. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, you have to be when you're uh, doing something like improv where you have so many people, like, working with you all the time. Uh, unless you're, like, super comfortable being, like, a person who bosses everyone around in every scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, in which case, you can be very meticulous <laughs> and you just need to find people who are very patient with you or who don't mind getting bossed around in scenes. Yeah, right. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no. It's like I want... Um, 
I want the benefit of having a specific vision about something, of, of having like a clear-sighted, uh, meticulously planned vision of something, but somehow without uh, an ego or anything. Oh, yeah. Well, because often, yeah, I feel like it could definitely be construed like... But it's so hard to, like, even think about, like, separating those two things. Like, if you're going to put that much work into, like, planning something, it's, like, wouldn't it be, like, just, like, normal to, like, have some, like, emotional, like, attachment to, like, that too? Well, at some point, I feel like if you are that meticulous, you kind of lose the ability to work in a cooperative setting i mean for example like i guess the the i guess the contra the true like definition of this is like if you're the director of a play you get you cast people you direct you tell them like this is what i want i'm not asking you to improvise kind of thing Mm -hmm. and those are i mean we go right back to like the movie aspect where it's like i cast you on this movie you're gonna do what i want Mm -hmm. and you agree to do it it's my movie we do what i want so I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess it just yeah depends on the role in your role in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, with M five, um, we had our we had our M five Mysterious Five Mysterious Five. Okay, uh, I co directed that show with Gretchen Glazer, a friend of the show, mm-hmm. show finder of the that. apartment, finder of the apartment. Yeah, that friend was of the show, like, finder of apartments. <laughs> She found me this place, this great, great place. She found me my wonderful home. Mm-hmm. Found you and Floyd this wonderful home. Yes, us boys. We are safe now. She also mm-hmm. How me. dare you talk about my good friend Floyd as if he doesn't live here. <laughs> me and Floyd have gotten very close since I walked in the door 15 minutes ago. <laughs> it, seems, it seems like it. He's been very uh, distracted by you. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, when we were doing that, we had our we had our ideas, but we were willing to let those ideas be influenced and willing to bend. But we also still kind of enforced at the end of the day what we decided that we would want. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess it, and that was. Did our you decision. ever uh, get in a situation where uh, you're like, no, we're not going to do that, but we can't necessarily uh, just be like, no way, like where you had to like let someone like sort of like someone's idea fizzle out. Or maybe maybe if like someone had a suggestion that you were like initially pessimistic about, and you're like, "That'll never work," and then mm-hmm. it didn't work, and then like you had to watch it not work, and still be like, "I I, I got to try it sincerely" or something. I think there was, but I think that was mostly just with the idea of um, there were plenty of ideas that we maybe weren't happy with that did work and there were plenty that we were happy with that might have not worked you know Mm -hmm. whether it was just in a practice or in the show but I guess that's kind of the idea of we are I mean yeah we are in the position of director but at the same level like there are people on the team in the cast who are way more experienced than I am me and Gretchen put together time wise like people have been doing improv like uh, longer than that so I think we all came together to agree, like, we all care about this. We're all going to put in the work and uh, find what works and then deal with the consequences kind of thing. Like, the show will be the show. Mm-hmm. And if a change needs to be made, then, you know, it falls on, like, the directors, but also, like, it falls on the cast. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good example of being less meticulous. 
Um, but also everyone was on the same page, which is kind of my, my initial point of like getting people to buy into that. Mm. Um, which, I mean, yeah, the set for the Kubrick movie might have been hell, but everyone might have been like there for hell. Mm. Like hell is what it takes. Like in between takes after their, after their like 400th take, they like look at each other and like, oh my God. This is a Kubrick movie. <laughs> They're still excited after 400 takes yeah. of just giggling. <laughs> um, which, you know what? That's the way it happened in my head now. Well, it was a fun time. It was a fun movie shoot. Um, every improv team has always been 100% fun and never sort of uh, aggravating at all. Um uh, and all of life has actually been that way. Now that I think about it, now that I really, like, take the time to remember it, it's all been so um, uh, frictionless. <laughs> I'm glad I was able to capture that moment mm-hmm. for everyone to hear. So tell me about your uh, recent improv team experience. Ah, yes, Fear Buddy. No, I love Fear Buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, it's one of the, uh, it was, it's the most recent house team that I've been on. I think the last time I was on this podcast, I probably talked about Bear Hug, uh-huh. um, which so. is another house team that I love. It was the first one I was on. And then uh, I went out for house teams again and got cast on Fear Buddy. And uh, it was uh, it was a fun, uh, really fun experience. Um, we did a uh, uh, we had an Avente format, yep. which um, uh, what is it? It's like we start out with a big group scene that's like a party or something, and then we focus on several characters from there. And it was a more disciplined like format than uh, a Bear Hug had. Um, and uh, so I, I appreciated that, but I also feel like I struggled with that a bit. Like, for a lot of uh, Fear Buddy, I would try and, like, put myself not necessarily in the main role, but in the supporting roles mm-hmm. um, to try and, like, sort of build up that skill set and also, like, sort of, like, change the composition of our shows. Yeah. Because um, I find it really easy to be, like, one of the main characters, like, in an improv show. But, like, to be a good, like, side character and supportive one, I feel like I struggle with that a lot. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, feel, um, I feel the exact opposite. What? Well, you're wrong. Well, I feel like if we look... <laughs> You're feel, fucking wrong. I, well, I feel like we were going to talk about it, but like, we're in the rom-com class, which is a, a class to put on an improvised romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there are clear definite clear definite characters of you're either the protagonist one of the main characters or the, a supporting character, like a confidant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I feel like I play the confidant way better than the protagonist. Oh yeah, I think I've only played the protagonist in like one of our like uh, like warm ups. I've never done it in any of our actual runs, mm-hmm. um, and that's mostly because I'm scared of kissing someone on stage. Yeah, um, I kissed Harrison. Yeah, you did, and uh, um, I thought it looked good. It was a great stage kiss from uh-huh. someone who uh, knows nothing about doing stage kisses. Yes, um, I didn't know anything about it. I was just like, <laughs> we're not going to get into it, but we're going to touch faces, and mm-hmm. I'm going to like mush you around a little bit, so I sell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, we had we had done something like that in the class so I was like I'm I'm gonna push for it to happen so it feels more comfortable mm-hmm. you're gonna be the one to um, do that cannonball into Harrison's mouth 
<laughs> into. Yeah. You're um, building some cannon for sure. I don't know. I was uh, I was originally going to say, like, break that ice. And then I was like, no, more fun. A cannonball <laughs> into the more. ice. A cannonball <laughs> is significantly more fun than breaking ice. Mm-hmm. Unless that ice is going, I guess, in some sort of mixed drake or something. Oh, that's true. That is the only other... Or, um... Snow cones? I don't snow know. cones! Um, uh, but that's not how you... You don't break the ice for snow cones by doing cannonballs onto it. Oh my um, god, imagine going to break ice doing cannon. I'm picturing an iceberg, but I know I should be thinking of like a sheet of ice. Yeah, and uh, and the thing about that is like it looks fun while you're in the air, but like once you get through to that pool, it's so cold. Like mm-hmm. no one else is going to want to come in that pool. No. Um and so it's like, why'd you even jump in? Why'd you do the cannonball in the first place? Yeah, now you have to get out, and it's all icy, so it's hard. Mm-hmm. And you got to be like, did you see? <laughs> did anyone, did anyone Instagram that? Everyone's like, why are you all wet and cold? And it's like, no, I did a cannonball, and they're, and they're like, they didn't see it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't make it an answer. I just right like, seconds before I did, I just shouted cannonball, and I like assumed- three people like maybe saw the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And now everyone's forgotten about it, and I'm just cold and wet and uncomfortable. Yeah, people were just like, all they saw was me being cold and wet and uncomfortable. (laughs) And now everyone wants to know why I didn't have fun at the party. And you know what? That's why. (laughs) I feel like no one listened to me when I told that story immediately after it happened. And then again at brunch the next day. Yeah, at brunch when I was still in my bathing suit. I I didn't change because I wanted people to ask me about it because no one was asking me about it. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Rough night. (laughs) Brunch was good, though. Yeah, brunch was great. Hash browns were amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't had dinner yet. Really? I always have late dinners. I don't know why. Oh, I had a, um, uh, interestingly timed dinner. Ooh. Um, so, uh, like I work a really weird schedule at work right now. I work 11 to seven thirty every day. And, uh, so my lunch break is at three thirty, which is after the food truck leaves. And I only get 30 minutes for lunch. And so I can't like, I don't have time to go anywhere else. Uh-huh. And there's not anywhere like around my building. It's like all the fuck way the fuck out in short pump. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm burping. Um, but today was the first day since I've been working there that I saw a food truck stay past 3 p.m. Oh. And stay long enough for me to get chicken tenders from it. Oh, what a day. Oh, yeah. And so the lunch that I had brought, I saved for later. And then I got off work at 7.30, and my roommate uh, said he could give me a ride home at 7.40. And so I was like, I have 10 minutes. So I warmed it up, and I ate it right after work. What a success story. I know. It's like, this is the most, like, normal, uh, like, normally timed dinner I've had in, like, two months, it seems like. Uh Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so I was proud of myself. Probably not going to do it again. Probably going to go back to, like... Same yeah, yeah, eight or eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock dinners. Mm-hmm. I uh, I like knowing where you're at today because I feel like that's where you're at. That's where I'm at. Um, no, I'm actually in a, in a good mood today. Uh, yesterday, I got some news at work that I'd have to uh, for a couple weeks work a uh, four thirty to twelve thirty a.m. shift. Woof. And this is, like, all the way out in Short Pump, and buses stop coming back from Short Pump at 11. 
and uh, and like uh, I don't have a car, so I rely on the bus to get to work. Yeah, and so it's like that means like every time I go out there, I'd be running the risk of getting stuck in short pump overnight, and yeah. I don't feel like dealing with that. And so I was like sort of panicking about that yesterday. But then um, uh, they they uh, uh, or I sent some emails and they adjusted my shift, and I was like, ah, finally, or I mean, not really finally, but you thank, can, you, thank can get, you. you can get home. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And so now I'm like, well, I still have all this energy. <laughs> Good. That's where I want you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any more thoughts about the rom-com class I dropped? I know that was a, a subtle drop. Ooh. Um, I uh, am loving the rom-com class. Like, uh, rom-coms are a lot more interesting than I thought they'd be. Uh, when uh, I was trying to brainstorm, like, what rom-coms I had seen before the class, and everything I listed was, uh, like, just actually a teen movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for some reason, my brain immediately went to Can't Hardly Wait. Um, but that's not necessarily a rom-com. Um, we, uh, uh, we did watch uh, 10 Things I Hate About You for the class, yep. which I forgot how much I love that movie. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a movie. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking good. It's like definitely one of my top 10 movies, I think. I feel like uh, that was the movie I enjoyed watching the most. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy As Good As It Gets. Um, I, um, I, I kind of did cause I watched it from the perspective. It's like James L. Brooks, I'm pretty sure is an awful human in real life. And, uh, um, maybe so this we should look chance this up. to put himself in the room. He was clearly, slot. um, Jack Nicholson. And he's like, well, what if people actually liked me I and I didn't yeah. have to change anything about myself? Oh my, I love that movie so much more now hearing this from you. Yeah. Oh my God. That makes so much more sense. It's lit- It's more, it's like he gets lost in the romance of like, what if people loved me? What if everyone's stuck around for my bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I, it's like also Jack Nicholson plays like slime ball characters so well that I kind of enjoyed that. Okay, so that was the thing. Okay, so can can you give me a brief description for anyone listening who hasn't seen it? Don't watch it, but like, can you give them a quick like a thirty second rundown? Okay, the um, mean old man who lives in your building who like mutters like racist stuff or in like homophobic <laughs> stuff to you all the time. That was uh, actually in the movie. Yeah. Actually, you should move into his apartment and be his best friend, because it might be fun. Um, and that's pretty much, like, what the pit, what I felt like the movie was pitching to me. It's like, the next time um, uh, some, like, uh, uh, like person, like, really rubs you the wrong way, actually try being friends with them. More. Try harder to be friends with them. Yeah, just, like, if someone ever makes a joke that's not funny... Um, no, what is it? It's more like um, if someone there's also like an aggression to that his was, jokes that's what I'm too. Like, and it's like if uh, Jack ever, Nicholson portrays it really well. It's like he he does it intentionally to like keep people away from him. That's what it is. If someone's ever extremely rude to you, just be their friend harder. Yeah, yeah. It's like if someone's throwing up signs that they don't want to be around you, be around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so basically, yeah, this dude is. Factually OCD and... Uh, yeah, that's a, that's another part. It's supposed to be a sympathetic thing. It's like, but really, he's dealing with obsessive-compulsive disorder. And um, uh, and that's actually, uh, uh, when you really watch him be OCD, you understand why he's racist and homophobic. 
and that um, somehow means less. And and I guess that's the thing that made it hard to relate to that character, which I guess is the what what we were trying to do in that aspect. So like it made it really difficult to want to. I don't know. Movies are just so bad. I just I just I didn't I didn't enjoy it. Well, rom coms like. I feel like, as a whole, are problematic as fuck because um, uh, I feel like rom com isn't about all romance. It's always about heterosexual romance. Yeah, and so they always end up like I. Uh, the way that I view them is uh, I view them as like a um, propaganda for being straight. Yeah. It's like how you teach a population or an audience, um, look, this is how you're going to act when you're being straight and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like you're going to, um, uh, you know, be obsessive about a person. Uh, you're going to trick them. You're going to lie to them and stuff. And it's all okay. It's all okay because it's for love. It's yeah. for this other thing uh, called love that's definitely there. And this is the way to get it. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons. That's what I was referencing earlier, but I didn't. I wasn't as explicit. Um, I didn't have the words. But like, yeah, that's why I wanted to be the protagonist with Harrison because I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was important. no. That's one thing I do appreciate about our class. It's like uh, is we're taking a little less of a heteronormative like uh, uh, approach to it, mm-hmm. um, and because that was also like something that. Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's like in, that's the thing that sticks out the most about these '90s rom-coms. It's um, that uh, it's always about um, how uh, one man and one woman together is like the happy ending. Well, and I guess that's yeah, that is what I appreciate about our class because I feel like that's just happenstance. Yeah, on a larger level, uh, there's also like. A lot about, um, like, I feel like all of the rom-coms have one character who's outside of society, and it's about them being assimilated into society in some way. Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of times, um, well, actually, so, uh, as good as it gets, um, Jack Nicholson is definitely outside society. Yeah. And uh, even though it's like almost deservedly so, and it's like and, and wanted, mm-hmm, and wanted, yeah, he, he liked being alone. And so, like the community that he's in uh, has to like, I feel like, put up with so much in order to deal with him, and to, to, to like, to assimilate. yeah, to assimilate him. And uh, uh, in the end, uh, he's assimilated into the com- community successfully, mm. and that. That's good. It's good when that happens. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think the most blatant example is uh, You've Got Mail, okay. where it's like the uh, owner of the big chain of bookshops uh, uh, comes in and uh, uh, he he runs um, um, uh, Meg Ryan's character's bookshop out of business. And she doesn't, like start a new bookshop or anything by the end of the movie. She actually like has to start being hired by the uh by um Tom Hanks's peers. Um she's she's proletarian proletarianized, I think is the right word, where it's like she used to like be able to do her own thing with her labor. Um even though she was a small business owner, it's like uh there's those complications, but she was sort of like uh able to like live on her own. But her way of life was destroyed, and now she has to subject herself uh, more directly to the rich and powerful class. And um, 
and we're supposed to think that that's good for her or like like we're supposed to like not be horrified at the end of the movie at her trajectory throughout it mm-hmm. and uh, I think another thing about you've got mail that makes it like really interesting is that like borders and like chain bookstores like that ended up failing within the next decade yeah. it was like everything yeah. about that movie was off like yeah every prediction it made every lesson it tried to teach you was wrong mm-hmm. um and it was wrong in such an intense way that it makes it seem like almost intentional. Yeah, the Chekhov's bookstore, some serious foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. No, there's all these uh, uh, Chekhov's fascism uh, references in uh, You've Got Mail also. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's... Um, uh, so, uh, uh, Meg Ryan's mother's character... Mo- maternal character there's this old woman that she older woman that she hangs out with who talks about uh she had a uh in a, a brief affair with uh um uh franco the uh dictator of spain um uh, the incredibly right-wing dictator like one of the original fascists and uh she was like but we were in love and that's the way it is sometimes and like what that does is uh when you compare her relationship with franco to meg ryan's with tom hanks Mm -hmm. tom hanks becomes the franco Tom Hanks is the modern fascist, the guy who comes in, buys up a, uh, like, uh, who gentrifies the neighborhood, puts in a business that's doomed to fail, and di- literally destroys the community, and uh, and then just leaves another, uh, like, empty husk of, like, uh, retail space. It's, it's fucked up, wow. folks. Folks, it's fucked wow. up. Wow. But you've got mail. That's why I enjoyed that wow. movie. It's like, it hit me so fucking hard. No, what a breakdown. <laughs> Holy shit. That was, um... Yeah, that's why I think uh, You've Got Mail, special. I think, is is uh, best viewed as pure satire. Um, uh, I've said this before, but... Um, I've said uh, this saying this. I've actually been saying this a lot lately since I've seen it, but you got to watch You've Got Mail uh, the way you would watch, uh, like, Starship Troopers. Or uh, You've Got Mail should be presented the way that Starship Troopers is presented, where it's um, Starship Troopers is uh, a movie that was made by a, a military... Uh, uh, milit- or sorry, uh, uh, society with a military dictatorship. Um, uh, it was—it's a movie that was made by future fa- uh, futuristic fascist Brazil, um, and uh, it's supposed. To, that's why um, it, it makes everything like look like superheroes, and they keep having those like inserts where it's like join today, mm-hmm. click or for more. Um, I think You've Got Mail should be presented the same way, where it's like, it's a movie where it assumes that the, uh, part of the gimmick is that the assu- it assumes the audience is uh, just in that um, early 2000s mindset of like, Borders is going to last forever. Uh, it's good that um, uh, uh, the big box stores are going to be a, a great for the neighborhood. Yeah, I... Uh didn't go that deep with it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> I wonder if yeah, I could have said that. I could have stopped there. <laughs> you absolutely could have. I'm so glad you didn't. Holy uh, shit. That was, uh, that was some... No, that, I mean... I'm, uh, uh, I hope that uh, I articulated that uh, sort of well at all. <laughs> I just I was just quiet because I just wanted to hear more. Mm-hmm. And also because I was looming over you and, and like uh, my spit particles were hitting your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> you made some great sound quality while looming. 
<laughs> well, that makes me that makes me feel like I'm watching these movies wrong because I'm just sitting here. Honestly, I have more gripes as as a non movie watcher who wants an experience with the movie and is getting an experience with the movie. I'm disappointed that these movies aren't better. Mm. I didn't. I haven't watched them all. I didn't get to watch half of them because the various uh, responsibilities. But I've definitely put in time and. You said uh, Ten Things I Hate About You" is your favorite of what them. Would, yeah. What, uh, Seattle, what's your like second? You've got mail. Okay. And uh, as good as it gets, are the only other ones I've seen. Oh, okay. Uh, I enjoyed Sleepless in Seattle a little more. I felt like uh, like the charm was still there in Sleepless in Seattle. Like I could buy. Like I did get a little bit swept away with it. I wasn't as cynical um, as yeah. when I was watching You Got Mail. Yeah. Um, but I did watch You've Got Mail first, so maybe like that had dulled me enough for well, Sleepless in Seattle. You know what it is uh, for me? I guess being me. Um, I related more to Tom Hanks in Sleeps in Seattle because he was just a nice person. Um, he was. He wasn't he, a dick like he was in You've Got Mail. So in You've Got Mail, I didn't relate to him. I was like, I'm not a dick. I'm sorry. Like, I don't I don't think... I don't... I don't... I don't I'm not a business person. That's another thing. That's a nice thing about that movie because also Meg Ryan's character, it, she's like a little bit of a creep, but she's also a nice person. She's not like pushy about it. Like, I, 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 I mean, maybe this is just... Again, because of the way I think, but like I, re- I think of less about relating to female characters. Mm. But I typical also, male. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not here to I'm not here to shy away from that. But like, I guess just in the in that sense, like I always try to put myself like if I'm if I'm trying to appreciate this rom com for what it is, where I mm-hmm. am supposed to be in like the relating to the male, I always focus more on that. Okay, and try to react. I guess in my the way the way I view it with the female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, one good thing about these movies is like there are fun role. There's like a lot of fun things for like the female leads to do, yeah. or the, like the more femme leads to do. Um, uh, and the, that's like a, a big strength of like these movies. And I think like one of the reasons why they um, they like are good or like were good when they came out is like just the strength of like uh you give an actress um an opportunity uh to like uh be funny and like uh have a like uh, a role with depth or something mm-hmm. i can appreciate that mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think it was like which uh which characters have i identified with did you identify with heath ledger over um um, was it Becca? Who the, what's a, uh, who what's her the name? other dude? Who is the other dude? First of all, oh the um the can't guy remember, with like uh, the smooth face. Yeah, the other protagonist. Oh shit! Um, what is he? I'll look it up. You know, you know, I have a theory about him. Um, his name is Joey in the movie. And uh, do you remember uh, the popular kid who skateboards in Jimmy Neutron? <sighs> Let me actually bring this up. We've got a lot to look at. Yeah. Okay. So, like, let's... I I can't close out of Mothman. This is Chekhov's Mothman. Oh, we haven't teased... Joseph Gordon... Joseph... Joseph 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 Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Batman! (laughs) Holy shit. Um, 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt was the was the other protagonist. Yeah, um, and a little baby David Crumholtz. He yeah, was so young. He was. That was uh, another one of my favorite things about. Uh, oh, that's one thing that I love about like revisiting these uh, rom coms is you get to see young version of of uh, like all these actors. Uh huh. Um, I think it was. Uh, um, oh yeah, no, my best friend's wedding. Paul Giamatti showed up. Uh huh. I, I didn't get to watch that one. That one's fun. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, Julia uh, Roberts plays an anti-hero, oh, if there ever was one in a rom-com. Okay, okay, Julia, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you asked if I related to Heath Ledger over... Over, I think Becca was her name. The, in his female protagonist? Yeah. Let me bring up ten things I hate about you so I can remember the names of the characters of the movie. Did I, I relate more to being an individual who was surprised by liking someone? Or do I relate more to Have being you ever, an individual who was surprised to be liking someone? Do, do, do. Um, sorry, I'm looking at this. Why didn't it just... Lit, uh, oh, here we go. Never mind, cat. <laughs> was her name okay. Julia cool. Stiles character Cat? Julia Stiles Cat Stratford. Mm-hmm. Gotta pull up. Um, okay. I think they have the same character. Um, Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. I think they were both characters, as I just said, who uh, were uh, staunchly indiv- individualistic, and then were completely uh, blindsided by the fact that they liked someone and that mm-hmm. someone appreciated their uniqueness. Interesting. You. Um, I know. I don't know if Heath Ledger got that much of an opportunity to. No, he did get to display his be- uniqueness at and the stuff. beginning. And yeah. so, really, yeah, um, I'm. Tra- I was trying to think like. But he's like um, a so fucking sweetheart. For- but at the beginning, if you remember, he's a, a crazy person. Yeah, he is literally portrayed as like, I walk up to you and I make a mean face and you walk away, and, mm-hmm. and that, that's like a bit. But then by the end, he's like just. A nice person who has really nice things to say. Mm-hmm. This is, yeah, looks way different. Sort of like um, Jack Nicholson in As oh, Good As It God. Gets. No, no. Um, Jack Nicholson doesn't change. <laughs> that, uh, well, that, he does. He does. I'm like, sorry, but the climax of the scene at the bar for dinner when he when they're out celebrating the soccer goal, mm-hmm. like he at the at the height of this scene between this woman who was his waitress and didn't like him and had no reason to like him but got sucked up in this world because he provided a doctor for her sick son and she went to this trip and and now she's like falling in love with him and they're at dinner together and he suggests that she should try to sleep with his now or like no it's such a neighbor. gross thing to hear and it's like that was um, just what yeah no no i think it was like uh supposed to be like a a deflection like um like uh the way he uses like uh, uh racist and like homophobic jokes uh-huh. uh, earlier it was like uh it's too much like say something so off putting that no one will want to talk to you so you can get some time alone which um but apparently yeah, is a uh, um, mm-hmm. Visible in the director? Uh, I believe so. I believe that was um, realizing that, but realizing that seems very mature. Yeah. You said mature or immature? Mature. Mature like, to realize that you're dick? 
Yeah, or that no, you're being a dick because um, because like being around people or having people like you would be too much. Oh, interesting. I I want to know more about this director. What was his name? James L. Brooks. I'm pretty sure he's like a conservative guy. I'm, let me see if I can <laughs> Google that. I'm not surprised. Um, teasing that Mothman story again. Oh yeah. That's right. We got a story involving someone we're calling Mothman. I'm, I'm excited because uh, what, what was disappointing was we weren't recording right after it happened because we had some sweet, sweet, just some gold. But I'm excited to revisit it and repicture everything that was there. Um, I want to wrap up this. Is James L. Brooks a jerk? Um, da, 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 I'm on his Twitter. <laughs> okay, good place to be. What's the last news? What's the last news source he retweeted? The last re- news source. Um, uh, I don't know. He's been on some. Uh, um, he's talking about a lot of mass shootings and stuff. Uh, which in, is in, like, in what light? Oh, um. So the first one is uh, Obama on Senate rejecting gun measure. Um, um, so, uh, yeah, he's on the, um, let me see. Scintillating. Okay, yeah, yeah, So, um, um, yeah, he's on some anti-NRA stuff, um, which, uh, you know, can be good. Or, I mean, yeah, specifically if it's anti-NRA, uh, they shit. They're shit. <laughs> um, I might be confusing him with someone else who is shitty. But you know what? James Brooks, come and fight me. Prove you're not shitty by beating me in a fight. Or at least tweeting it. Yeah. You, what's your Twitter? <laughs> I don't have a Twitter. Um, I thought about uh, getting Dad's one. Cologne. Yeah, tweet at Dad's Cologne and they'll let me know. Can you believe that Dad's Cologne Twitter account is suspended? What? How? I don't Why? know what happened. I don't. I didn't do anything. Did I you guys threaten to kill someone? I claimed the username, uploaded a picture of a clown as my uh, as our picture before we had a logo, and I went to go update the logo just because we were. I'm basically squatting on the name. <clears throat> uh, although I have plans to resurrect and start being more active on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had plans to start being more active on Twitter. For like two years, I feel like I can do his dad's cologne because I feel like people will will just post well, the meme with the caption and then people will respond. Dad's cologne and I can just do Instagram that. is great. Thank you so um, much. Honestly, like uh, uh, the Instagram that. works so well. You know, if y- y'all can do tweets too, do them. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and drop something here. I feel like this is an appropriate. What? Time. Oh my gosh! Um, so dad's cologne has a show this Friday at after party. And oh. we are actually going to try uh, Instagram living the show. Oh my gosh! Tune in. <laughs> yeah. What is that? That's going to be Friday, ten p.m. Friday, ten p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone, someone hit us up and said we, they like that you should do this. And it was like a week before the show, like well, last Friday or whatever. And we were like, wait. Should we? I mean, that's kind of like what this team is based on. We started on Instagram, so like, yeah, maybe it could be like a fun thing to do. Uh, it's a little permanent for me with improv, but let's do mm-hmm. it. Like, it's yeah, uh, it's a good show. We have an indie team opening, and then we have us performing with some friends of ours. Uh, I believe it is Kimberly Nario, 
potentially Summer McCarley and uh, E.B. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know her last name. Nice. But, uh, and then the Johnsons. That's a good, that Johnsons is a great cast. Yeah, the Johnsons are uh, the closing set. Oh, and you got the Johnsons back together. Nice. Yeah, well, uh, Jesse's doing, like, a farewell tour, so I'm assuming this is going to be on our stop. Like, let's ap- let's give them the stage. Dude, let's hear. I gave them the stage mm-hmm. for the live podcast a little while ago because I'm like, hell yeah, y'all should be on this live podcast. This will be a good follow-up for fans of the podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so that's I think that's a really weird idea mm-hmm. to, to do Instagram Live the set. That's fun. Um, I'm going to try and make it to that show. Uh, unfortunately, I do work till 7.30 on Fridays, which means I don't get home till like, but hey, 8.30. But you could be the, 10, maybe, maybe you could be be the Instagram there. Live person. What? We don't, we don't have someone to do it. Oh, okay. Maybe so, I'll... Um, if you can't commit to it right now, but... We'll talk. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the AIPW. AIPW. We had a fight. We we were in we, a, we really went thing. at it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Derek Dishwater DeBello versus Dale Magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two the, titans of their weight class. The closing fight before the Gauntlet for the Gold. Mm-hmm. The, this was the, the big one. This was the big one. This was the, the other than the main storyline between Thunderbird and Seth the Money Man Rich. Um, yep. Which, understandably, you know, it was a good story. I was happy to see it. I had it fun was, watching it. It was the focus, but we were, like, second. This was the mo- second most compelling fight of the night. It was. It was, absolutely. And, uh, and I don't say that lightly. No. <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> the, uh, first of all, I, I did, this, is the, uh, this is our chance to immortalize the IPW mm-hmm. podcast one. Um, unless I have Zach on, which I absolutely want to. Mm-hmm. Um, the AIPW was the the show at the Coalition Theater. Uh, it was a wrestling show, and what it consisted of was a couple like uh, Wednesday shows that had like ten minute slots, and Thursday shows that had twenty five minute slots for about a month or two, uh, resulting in a Thursday night show that was an hour and a half. Um, Wrestle Palooza, Palooza. Yes. Wrestle Palooza, the bit that I wish we continued for the promotions. <laughs> was never getting it right. I mean, six different, six different ways to say it. Yeah, I would 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so yeah, so first of all, how can you not love this idea? It, it seems like, um, uh, I mean, yeah, no, it's just so good right off the bat. So every different of those shows, the, the shorter Wednesday shows and the longer Thursday shows, there are just different matchups of all these wrestlers and they're the same wrestlers every time. So like I was the magician the whole time and Phil was the dishwasher the whole time. Like we were, we were always those characters and we established this storyline and again Thunderbird Jr. and Seth Money Man Rich mm-hmm. it was like watching Bobby a McMahon real season Jr. of wrestling it was you got you got storylines and they built this storyline that culminated in this giant storyline at the end like we wrote it as we went kind of thing um, yeah it was just so, it was so well done it was such a great great thing that happened and I don't think there was one person who maybe got the chance to see every show but I saw most shows because I was in them, and I, if I didn't, I was well aware of what happened, and I was in the practices where they were kind of running through it. So um, 
I don't know. I feel like we got to see something really special. Like, that's a really, really cool thing. Oh, yeah. It was the first time um, the theater sold out on a Thursday night. On a Thursday night, the first time they sold out. And it wasn't it, a the place show. was packed. It was it was amazing. Like, the energy was, like, like tactile. Like, you could feel, like, uh, the crowd uh, The crowd was loving it. Um, I, I did so much physical energy uh, at work and stuff. Oh, hell yes. That I ran out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, um, no, I felt so good. I'm so glad it's coming back. Uh, yeah, season two coming season out. Season two. I think that the Wrestle Palooza this time is in November or something. Yeah, yeah, we're doing another one. Oh but it was God. such a fun show to so do. Fun. And, uh, some of my coworkers came to see it. And yeah. I was so glad to see them there. Oh, man. I, um, I, luckily, I had all my friends there. So, um, mm-hmm. all the people I care about the most were there to see it. So, yeah, it was okay. So, so, so all this just happened, and then like, let's talk about. I want, I want to again immortalize the energy that was there at that sold out night. Yeah, like it so, was so crazy. Like coming out of the green room, there's like a small hallway before you get to the stage, and it was like there was nowhere to stand outside of the hallway and watch uh, the show uh, because the uh, house was so packed, and so like the hallway was lined with the other wrestlers and yeah. stuff when you had to go out to the stage, it and was, so you had to like push your way through a little bit, and then it's like you get a glimpse of like where the stage is and there's just so many people like around it like screaming and chanting and stuff waiting for the next thing yeah. and then they call they play your music oh and my god everyone I'm- looks at you they look to see where you're they know where you're coming from like they're just <laughs> looking now like Oh man, it's a rush! Oh my god, I was so like, uh, uh, like proud of like the uh, uh, the song that I chose. I uh, went with this song "Luna" by Deaf Heaven. It's got a fucking awesome intro, and it it just like gets me pumped every time. And I was listening to that shit like nonstop for two weeks before, like getting myself amped and stuff, just like thinking about my intro. And then like to like come out there, see like everyone like you know so amped and stuff, and then that song starts playing. I was fucking with it, man. Yes. I mean, that, that crowd was, I, I would say, half wrestling fans, like a quarter improv fans, and then a quarter mm-hmm. people who maybe just thought, saw it was cool, because, <laughs> and it turned out to be really cool, um, because they, they were so into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I did my intro, I picked, I was very proud of my song, I picked Magic by B.O.B. featuring Rivers Cuomo. Yeah. Um, and it was just like a higher song. You the magic. No, 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 no. It was, uh, I've got the magic oh. in me. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I really pictured Rivers Cuomo singing that song as well. That was, That's the, that was the original song that was supposed to come out, too. But this one was, like, faster and, like, okay. higher energy. So I came out, and I actually did, like, a magic trick for someone in the audience. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I made him pick a card, showed it, sh- lost it in the deck, and then I... Uh, pulled it out really quick like after shuffling yeah and everyone like went, I threw the card up apparently I heard this later someone caught the card and were angrily <laughs> ripped it up to me like, like ah! he was he was supporting Jesse the heel so he was like yeah. I get that everyone just and I have that ripped card I still have it because I was oh, like so awesome I was like that is iconic um <laughs> But yeah, I did a real, I did a real magic trick, and it was such a good energy. Um, my also, my other favorite part was uh, we did some video promos in between, and in one of them, and the one right before ours, I was in two scenes, and in both scenes, I ended it with taking off my. T- 
top blazer and really my bottom blazer <laughs> with the sleeveless. No tricks up my sleeve. That um, was such a good bit. It's like so funny. Like anytime so you're dumb. on camera, you right before the uh, shot ends, you take off your top blazer to reveal so, your so the sleeveless time, bottom blazer. The first time I did it, no reaction. Everyone was very quiet. I just did it and I laughed. The second time, it got like a murmur. Mm-hmm. And then the third time, I don't know what it was. I just felt like they were ready for it. Like <laughs> they like they were hyped when I came out. And then when I did it, I got a round it's of applause. He did the thing I wanted him to do. Oh, my God. It was the best feeling. Absolutely. <laughs> to have like a shtick that I planned and have go well? Absolutely. Mm. I don't know. This, the best thing about that audience was it was full and they bought into every single thing we did. Oh, yeah. They were shouting like the entire time. It was like it's, so They awesome. had signs that like they became attached. Like, People held up my signs. <laughs> Kick some ace, Dale. Like, oh my God, that, I, that's my fucking, <laughs> yeah. You used to put, like, that's fucking, that's so cool. I know. It's so, like, imagine if one of your stupid improv characters had fans. Had fans. <laughs> Somebody had a fan of a Gossip Badge character fan. <laughs> oh, I was such a fan of you at that Halloween party. <laughs> you and that party planner. Um, oh. Yeah, Wacky Party Planner! <laughs> I love Wacky Party Planner! Alright, we did that one. We did that one already. I'm sorry. Do it again! <laughs> um... Yeah, that show was just an incredible experience. That was so much fun. That was also the first week that I started my regular schedule at work. Uh-huh. And uh, and uh, so it was like, uh, oh, and uh, so I had uh, that entire Thursday off to like sort of mentally prepare. Oh. And uh, uh, yeah, no, it felt good. Okay. Yeah. What a good show. Um, just going to go ahead and say I won the fight. Yeah, no, you won the fight. Um, I, there's one, uh, uh, I posted, like, a good, like, visual novel of the fight mm-hmm. uh, that shows when you yeah. um, uh, snuck up behind me and choked me with the scarf. That was a, uh, I don't know if it was well represented, but that was inspired by Penn and Teller. So what's really cool about that role being the magician is I actually really love magic. Ah. Like, I watch a lot. Do you of- feel like you have the magic in you? Um, I've never sat down to practice, and uh, maybe I have it in me, but I haven't done anything with it. Okay. Uh, I haven't sat down to practice. (laughs) (laughs) No, not yet. Uh, But I did, I mean, I did practice and do a couple of tricks during the show, and like, Mm -hmm. that was really fun. I had another trick planned that I didn't get to do at the live show. I think a professional wrestling improv show is the uh, is a very good way to get into magic. <laughs> I mean, I'm most, most I'm most inspired. So yeah, the 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 choking scarf trick was inspired by Penn and Teller. Okay. Um, I mean, it's like a common trick, but like the, the first time I saw it was the Teller doing it, mm-hmm. um, and they would usually bring a child on and and choke the child. No, they would choke <laughs> the, like Teller would be the one here, and Penn, or Penn would be the one or something like that, and they would have the kid like pull. Mm-hmm. And reveal that Teller's the one that doesn't talk. That's correct. And doesn't tell. Correct. Pen puts everything permanently out there. Mm-hmm. Pen ultimately. Pen ultimately. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it, and it was really fun to kind of do that. <clears throat> hmm. So really, I really enjoyed my character. 
Yeah, no. Um, uh, Dale the Magician was uh, a very funny character. And when I like uh, uh, when I posted like the uh, the pictures from the show on Instagram, I, I laughed to myself when I was like uh, a visual novel about my fight with Dale the Magician. <laughs> no, that was a great post. I didn't... <laughs> For some reason, I thought about like some some guy who wrote about like a fight with his friend Dale, who like. Or, I don't know. Um, it seemed like a very petty fight, and yeah. which made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My battle with Dale the Magician. For <laughs> years I struggled with Dale the Magician. <laughs> it is. What's, what's great is, I mean, like, I'm super proud to be in, like, the fourth slot, and it feels... I, I, I assign important, importance to it because it makes me feel important. Mm. But uh, it is funny to think about how it, we, there's really no reason... Why we're like fighting? We, we try to like invent something. There's but, like, not, our it's not like there's like a natural enemy to the dishwasher, except for maybe uh, the, probably someone like the Dude Bros or something. Yeah, um, but they had the pocket protectors. Yeah, yeah, they already had the pocket protectors. Like there wasn't a character who was an especially messy eater or anything. So it was like uh, we got to put these two together, and we sold it so goddamn good. Mm-hmm. I think we did. Highlight show. Oh, yeah. All right, is it time to tell the uh, the Mothman story? What was that? Did you hear... What? The flapping of moth wings? Wow, that was Wait, convenient timing. let's go over to the window. <laughs> let's take a break. Now let's run the other half. Okay. Let's peek out the window. Oh my god. Do you see over there on top of the the brewery slash barcade? What is it? It's a figure da, da, with red, da, da, eyes. red eyes. He's taking flight! Oh he's ah. gone! That's we saw the mothman. Set the scene. Okay, but um, for uh, for real though, um, uh, when we talk about Mothman, we're actually talking about uh, a guy we met at a bar who invited us to his house to smoke weed. Um, we're going to call him Mothman to uh, to protect his identity and, uh, and, and to not blow up his spot. Um, and um, the real Mothman uh, lives in Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia. <laughs> In an abandoned munitions factory. Keep going. Tell, and, tell Mothman. And so we felt there were a lot of parallels between um, the real Mothman, who lives in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, in an abandoned munitions factory, and this guy who invited us to his house to smoke weed. Okay, so this... We were... Do we say... Do we say the... Do, should we say where, where we were? Let's give a shout out. We were at the the great place Guar Bar. Guar Bar. The Richmond, um, uh, like uh, I, I want to say institution, but that sounds like like too like uh, heavy. Yeah, whatever's <laughs> one to two. It's steps like a fun institution. institution. A yeah. fun institution. A fun institution. Richmond's <laughs> fun institution. Guar sure. Bar. The bar started by someone who was affiliated with the band Guar. Yeah, that is. Uh, that is quite a venue that 
I frequent, I would say. I love it. It's, it's right a, near it's the theater, right near and the theater. they've got a big porch to sit on and oh, cheap beer. I love beer. that porch. That's a great porch. Yeah. Of all the places like around the theater that have cheap beer, that has the cheapest and is the most fun to hang at. Yeah, it's a good spot. Everyone's mm-hmm. always in a good mood when they're there. Yeah. Um, I've, had, yeah I've had a lot of really good times there. So we were there, and it was like a... It was a friend's birthday, but also the other half of us had a show. Mm-hmm. I'm not remembering what the show was. I don't remember either. But we couldn't make the party. However, we were all congregating at Guar <clears throat> post-show. So we were all there, and people showed up late. So there was a circle of us kind of you know, mixing, talking about the different evenings we experienced. Mm-hmm. Maybe we did the live podcast that night. I don't remember. Um, the Dad's Cologne one, which will come out after this because I dropped things in this episode I want to be on. I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay. You have uh, something you've meticulously planned, and you're uh, sort of feeling like um, your ego's getting in the way of it, or I don't know. Um <laughs> Remember when we were talking about meticulously planned things? <laughs> that was like so that long I brought ago. that up again. <laughs> you just check off plan that yeah. shit. Yeah. I did one of those checkoffs meticulously planned. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we were at this place with uh, some friends, and then all of a sudden, we this stranger joins and starts talking. And one of my favorite things about improv folk uh, is how we are open to talking to people. We we work so well talking to strangers. When you do improv and you go to a bar, you don't sit around and talk to people. You do bits that other people uh, want to join in on. Sure. And uh, it makes you seem like a cool person and people want to talk to you because of it. But when someone who is trying to be maybe edgy or... Uh, uh, somehow be intimidating, and you meet them at where they are with such confidence, but in a from a fun place of just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm here for that energy. I can go. I can. I can spar with you, kind of thing. And it puts them in the situation they're not normally in. I feel like that was the situation because he originally left and then he came back and I guess he was approaching it in a much better way. Where he's just like, okay, these are people I can fuck with. Yeah, he definitely, um, uh, well, you know, I wasn't there when y'all met him. Um, you came in a little bit Yeah, later. I actually came in right before we left. Uh, someone was just like, hey, uh, uh, they said something about smoking, and, uh, uh, and I, I think I was walking by or something. Or no, I was probably just bouncing around. I probably settled into the circle at some point. Uh-huh. Oh my god, that's a picture of me pointing to a sign that's at Guar Bar. That says Andrew's... It's it's supposed to say Andrew's decks and fences, but instead, instead, it's scribbled out to say Andrew's dicks and feces. We gotta release that picture with this episode. I will. I will. I'll do the producer. Oh, this is gonna be a fun companion piece. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Holy shit. Um, Uh, Oh shit. Okay. 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 So actually, I'm glad you showed me that because it's really bringing back like the uh, the memories of that night. Perfect. Perfect. Like I'm I'm remembering the heat. I. 
I, I actually forgot I was wearing that shirt. I'm wearing a, a shirt with blue and tan stripes on it. Yep. With denim jeans and white shoes. Yep. Uh, later that night, some guy would tell me that my shirt was French. And I was like, what? And then he was, <laughs> and then he was like, it's because it's striped. It means it's that's a French thing. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then he stopped talking to me. So I was like, all right. Uh, I guess I won. <laughs> I got what I wanted. <laughs> I guess I won. It's fashion film. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, Guarbar. Um, so he makes a power move. Again, this guy strikes me uh, immediately as somebody who is typically the alpha or, like, asserting their, like, thing. Mm-hmm. And so he he puts a power move and he's like, well, come over. And we'll, like, I'm, like, a block away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, big move. Like, I'm at the bar. I'm right next door. It's not even, like, that much. We can walk there. Yep. And, uh, uh... Um, we I, agreed. Yeah, we agreed. We yes-handed. Um, there were like, three like, of us. I feel like that's an influence. Like, I feel like that's not something I normally would have done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a group of three of us, too, which is, like, I feel like if it was definitely one-on-one, never do it. Mm-hmm. Two-on-one... Still, I mean, still, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But three on one, it's like if he tried anything, we could have, we could have beat him. It's we could have beat I, him up. I guess even, and I don't know what this says about me, but I guess I'd never was worried about it. Mm-hmm. I felt comfortable. Yeah, no, I was actually very comfortable too. Like uh, that's one of the fun things about like uh, summertime in Richmond um, is you just go on random adventures and go and see like people's apartments and be like, "What? Well, this is how you live." Yeah. Um, okay, so we go over. We go with, over. With, with, um, so it is like literally less than a block away. Yeah, um, and uh, you can the, see it from the bar. Yeah, but you would never think that it was an apartment. Ooh. Because say no more, say no more. It's got storefront windows ah. that have metal grates over them. Say no more. And it's in uh, it's in Jackson Ward, which uh, is um, uh, uh, a part of Richmond that's being like rapidly gentrified. Which means that uh, a couple years ago uh, was the phase when most of the buildings were abandoned and stuff. And uh, this building, I didn't realize, was inhabited. It looks like a closed-down, like, deli or, like, butcher shop. So tell me what you saw when you opened that closed-down butcher shop front so door. We open it up. Butcher. We see the ultimate bachelor pad. Uh, <laughs> I believe the exact term we used was the ultimate fuck pad. <laughs> yes. We went to Mothman's fuck pad. <laughs> we saw where Mothman gets down. Yes. We saw where the magic happens. And you open the front door. His bed's right there. It's a one bedroom place his bed's right there literally you could touch the bed without mm-hmm. getting in the house right um yeah you could stumble in through the front door into the bed yeah in my fuck pad. um and if you don't stumble into the bed you stumble onto the couch or the living room or which is a media center the me- he called it the media center he had a projector he had music going eventually it took him mm-hmm. a minute but he had it he had everything you could want in that media room he had this high heel chair that I'm not ashamed to say reminded me of a chair my grandmother had. <laughs> but um, this is like, it looked so cool. Like, uh, it was a very clean place. It, it, it looked grungy, but clean grungy. Like, 
Yeah, I know he's wearing like tight black jeans and a cut off sleeve black denim vest, but mm-hmm. he showered today. Yeah, no, uh, that's the definite vibe that I got from him. It's like he's been grungy for so long that he realized that being clean was also all right. Yeah. <laughs> So now he cleans his house. <laughs> Which, like, one day I'll get there and yeah. people will like me for it. Okay, so, and then let's talk, for, again, before we leave the media room, he had this, like, I want to say disco ball, but it was like a light Yeah, he had a laser light. Green. He had these dance lights that uh, he turned on. Um, that were just on. They weren't moving. They were just, like, green and, like, little lasers every, like, so many inches. Yeah, I've been, nine, uh, uh, this summer, um, like, uh, uh, really been sort of, like, going on a lot of adventures into, like, yeah. people's houses that I'd With, never met before. That's kind of the, stuff. When he originally asked us, that was the vibe. The vibe was, like, we look, I looked at you and I was just like, I'm down for an adventure. No, this was a definite, like, call to an adventure. Yeah. Like, uh, the week before, um, uh, um, it, our mutual friend, uh, Nathan, had uh, mentioned uh, something about an Area 51 party, and I was like, yeah, let's... Let's go check it out. So Let's I check went out this to thing a random person. Yeah, so I went to a random like uh, one of those, and you know what? It also had one of those dance lights, those dance laser lights. Oh, that's your second so, adventure there. So yeah, this so this has become a meticulously placed symbol for me. Oh. That like I when I see it, I know it's not just chance, and it's actually uh, intention. Whose intention? I haven't determined yet. Uh-huh. Um, whether it's uh, uh, a dangerous intention to put me in danger or or one that's okay with to keep me safe, um, I also have uh, not necessarily determined either. But it is an intention nonetheless. Describe Mothman's fuck pad kitchen, please. Okay, so Moth, this is what uh, where you can really tell, other than the uh, storefront windows outside and the uh, uh, the... The tarp-like uh, sort of overhang, um, the shop-like overhang. Uh, this is where you can really tell that it used to be a deli or butcher place because there's black and white. T- there's a sort of elevated area where the kitchen is um, uh, that's a little bit past the living room, and there's black and white tile all over it. Something that would be easy to hose off or like scrub down when you're doing a deep clean. Huh. Um, and so, you know, that with the storefront windows is what uh, made me think that uh, uh, it was a, a deli, um, which gives me Leatherface vibes. So there's also that sort of current going under this. It's like we're in a strange house that um, I'm thinking about, like, dead meat in. Um, is this man uh, Leatherface? Can we also talk about... Um, how stocked his kitchen was with spices, pastas, and wine. Yes, he had um, these great uh, like Wait, racks. I, my mic was muted. Can we talk about how uh, Mothman's fuck pad kitchen was beautifully stocked with spices, pastas, and wines? I would love if we could talk about that. Wait, wait, my mic was not muted. No, wait, we're good. Wait, wait, what what? do we have to say again? (laughs) Mothman's kitchen was fucking heat. He was Mothman's kitchen was here. Mothman had a good kitchen. He had the perfect. He had the perfect kitchen. He had a corner counter space, uh, a middle island that was just perfect with stools on the side, and also great racks that held everything he could possibly need. They were stocked. Mm -hmm. He had a jug. Of cooking wine that he was just using for cooking. 
Like no I, temptation. It's yeah, literally cooking wine. I, I don't think he would drink that. I think he would drink something else. In a lot of ways, Mothman had his life together. And uh, uh, actually, I say that like there are some ways that he didn't have his life together, but he pretty much had his life together. My um, my favorite thing was oh, um, so. Here's the thing. He. I feel like Mothman was a little fucked up, and he was uh, kind of. You did. Uh, you did get sort of like. Um, uh, I don't want to say testy, but you wanted to get real with Mothman. Well, okay, so that was the thing. Was he was putting off this vibe? He was really like pushing out, like this is who I am. This is who I am. And I guess the thing was, is at first I felt challenged, uh, mostly noting the fact that he was being very aggressive mm-hmm. with the way he was talking to us. Um, I didn't feel the need to respond. I was just like, but then he came. He came back and was nice, and I was like, I'm here for nice. He was Absolutely. a classic Jack Nicholson from As Good as It Gets. He would he would be I'd sort of like nasty, and then he'd be like, but wait, I got a compliment. I gotta wait. Listen to my compliment. Listen you make me want to be a better moth. <laughs> When flap, flap. When you did the bit about, in Rob Plus, uh, Pete did a bit about not being able to color the lines, and you were like, you make me want to color inside the lines. <laughs> that was so funny. That funny might be my new favorite, like, Jack Nick, my new go-to thing for Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you make me want a blank, blank. Yeah, you, yeah, that is so fucking, because he said that, and he said that in the, such a weird, off-kilter way. Uh, such a weird movie. Um, yeah. But that's so, a, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so sorry. I, I'm just. I'm go back to Mothman. No, no, no. It's good that you go back to Mothman because I almost got us to, off topic. And I want to stay on Mothman because I don't want. I don't want to lose the train of thought. Um, yeah. So he was putting off this vibe, and I'm like, you know what? I've kind of just been entertaining this as an adventure and not appreciating who you are. So, like, we had sort of reached the peak of what we can get from Mothman, yeah, which was a, a couple bong hits and being being in having the experience. So I was like, okay, you know what? Um, blank, what your name is, Mothman? Like, Mothman, you said he, we were all I, chilling I, around. I, the I couch. just remembered his name. I just remembered his name. No, no, don't no, say wait, it. Wait, So the thing was, is I was like, okay, if I'm here, if I'm truly here for this, for what he's trying to put on, because he's not just having people over to have an adventure. He wants to like, he wants he, he, he wanted to fuck one of us, maybe, <laughs> but none of us did, as far mm-hmm. as I know. Um, but I was like, okay, you know what? If I'm here, if I'm truly here for this experience, like let's let's connect on a thing. And then what did I say? You were upset. Oh, you were, um, well, you, you sort of, uh, uh, were, uh, getting at, like, so, like, like, what's, like, the goal in all this, in, like, living this way? Like, because, um, he's, uh, another thing about Mothman, um, I hope this doesn't give, like, too much away Wait, about d- his identity. Don't say the number, don't say the number. Just okay, say, no, I'm he gonna was say, older. he was, like, uh... An older, not not like elderly, but he's like closer to retirement than he is to my age. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's yeah, he's uh, been around uh, like significantly longer yeah. than he, either he, of he's us. He's had a lot of experience in the world, but he's he's, he's like living like an ideal like uh, version of like if I was at the top of my game, I would be living like him. How- how I want to live, just but being as myself. Twenties, yeah, and I mean, it's like it's weird. It was sort of like weird that that um, hadn't changed or anything, yeah. I guess. And so you sort of asked him, um, 
it was like so like what is the like goal with all this like um the impression i got is like it um um is this like uh like like peak living for you is this like your jam uh is this what you do like uh uh or what you like live for yeah and uh he was just as far as i remember he was just kind of into what it was i remember his answer Oh, you do? Thank God I did not. Okay, yeah. No, I remember his answer. Um, and he was like... I was just, like, winging it there. I was like, I gotta get something down. No, his answer was, he was like, so I think the goal in, like, life is to find someone that accepts you for you. And... Yeah, that was big for me. And that was, like... First off, that made me think it was like, well, it feels like he's gotten broke up with a lot of times for probably not being clean. Being uh, individualistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, he feels like um, that like he's he's felt unaccepted um, at possibly the most vulnerable points in his life. And so, um, you know, the, the sort of his goal, I and I guess, you know, naturally that sort of would shape your goal, like to find someone to give you that sense of acceptance. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of something that I've been thinking about a lot, and that's why I said it was super apropos, is, like, the idea of just being yourself, like, you go, you go, you kind of go, I mean, I definitely still feel this way a lot, where it's just, like, I feel like people are thinking about a lot of things that I do when I should approach it the way that I think about everybody else, where it's, like, I can be myself because that's what people want and like from me. Mm-hmm. So, um, to kind of, to kind of get that to get get that vibe from someone who was as far down the road as he was like that was that was his answer to a big question mm-hmm. and something that i'm like already kind of coming around to and celebrating yeah, it goes nicely with rom-com class because it, he specifically is talking about finding one other person that can give him that validation that he's like craving in in the rom-com of his life that was an earlier scene and this is a set side scene because we're side characters. Well, yeah, and we're, we're doing his, a podcast. He can be about honest him. with us, but like something just happened in his life in the story we haven't seen um, that coincides with this, where he's like doubting it, and we're talking about it. But we're also going to probably talk about how we view where we think he was wrong or something like that mm-hmm. in the in the story. And then he listens to it and does. Yeah, I'm worried that this is going to come off as like mean spirited. Oh, no, I hope not. And um, I think maybe like in just that we haven't had contact with him since this. Well, I feel like that's kind of the vibe. I mean, it's not like he's like. Hey, he, he, yeah, I think even if we went to him, it was like, he, "Hey, dude, we, we talked about you on a podcast." Oh, uh, he wouldn't. He, I don't think he would vibe with that. Mm-hmm. He would yeah. not appreciate that. Um, well, I think he'd be, just be like, "Whatever." Um, uh, and, uh, like, if he did listen to it, he'd be like, well, you guys weren't the one. You didn't accept me for who I was. Well, and that's the thing is, at first, we didn't. We kind of, I mean, there's definitely, I mean, that's the whole you know, point of Maybe being I'm being so soft on him because I suddenly picked up on that vibe that he's like, I need you to accept me. I, I, this is what I need from people okay. in my life. Okay, so I feel like at first I judged him. I feel like at first I, I had these opinions. And then when I talked to him, I just kind of viewed him. I, I was able to relate really hard to him with the idea of, like, I'm just trying to be myself. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to do my own thing. And so what did you, what did you just say? Um, I think that, like, one, like, so I've been, I think to myself, uh, I sort of have not been trying to be very critical of him. 
And uh, I wonder if it's because I pick up on those cues oh, yes, yes, of yes. like, so, don't uh, make me feel unaccepted. Okay, so here's here's a really cool, unique thought. I saw I was biking home today, and I saw somebody. I was biking, uh, whatever. I was biking, and I saw somebody who had these like old style sunglasses, the ones that are like really big and don't have a bottom, but they're like. It's like a wrestler or like a lawnmower or something. That's what I think of when I think of those sunglasses. Like baseball players wear them too. Um, like in a, in a long mullet. Nice. And Hell my first yeah. thought was like, fuck that guy. He's trying too hard. But then I took a step back like immediately. Like a second later, I was just like, okay, well, let me like really get into that perspective where that's something I would do. I'm trying to be myself as hard as I can. I do things that people will probably look at and be like, why is he doing that? That's not how I live my life. That's not acceptable to me. Um, totally fine. I don't, I'm, I'm not supposed to care. That, that, that's what I'm working towards. And so when I, when I looked again, I was just like, I just appreciate that you get to be yourself. Um, again, had I stopped and talked to him and he had been douchey about it, like, yeah, check it out. Like, I'm really cool. <laughs> like, okay, then the, now you're just like, now you're, I know I know you're oh, trying to small it. I fucking hate it. <laughs> but like, again, if you're just like, yeah, this is what I like. I like doing this. This is me. Like, mm-hmm. I should think the best about that person and assume that that's like that thing. No, an honest mullet is a great thing to see. It's beautiful. I think so because I've, I've seen some. Mm-hmm. When I worked at Shields, uh, there was uh, someone at Joe's, uh, Shit. Um, no, actually, it doesn't matter. What? Because uh, I said shields. Um, but there's someone at the restaurant across the street uh, that would come over who had like a mullet they were growing out, and I was like, "Damn, maybe I could do that." And so I tried to grow my hair long in the winter, and it just got too greasy, and I was like, "Ah, uh, too much, uh, too much effort to take care of it." I'm gonna go ahead and break the fourth wall and say we just pause for a quick second right after that statement. Um, you know what I realized? I just had these light, these Bluetooth lights, and I never fucked with them. Yo, your kitchen was going crazy when you were in there. I thought you set off the alarm. Oh, this is great. Can you keep them, like, rotating for the rest of the episode? I, I just want to feel like I'm in, like, the uh, uh, climax of a dream. I, uh, I can do... Let's see Let's see how this goes. So I, had, I bought these Bluetooth lights on Indiegogo uh, a, very, a very long time ago, and it... I love them, but they're really obnoxious sometimes. <laughs> uh, the green kind of sucks. <laughs> well, it's supposed to all be the same color, and it's supposed to like be a, a transitionary thing. Uh, I'm so, okay, Mothman. We're back. We, we gotta finish Mothman. Mothman. So uh, at this point in the Mothman story, I believe uh, you had asked him like, uh, "What? What do you feel like? Uh, like your ultimate like sort of goal or like driving sort of uh, uh, idea is?" And he had said, uh, "You know, to find someone who accepts you for like everything that you are," um, which. You know, um, if you're in a stranger's house and they uh, say that, that has a sinister sort of, like, thing uh, to it. It's like, well, it seems like it's nice in here, but it also seems like there's something unacceptable. It seems like you're you're warning me to something unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Mm. I don't know. I uh, I didn't... But yeah, yeah, no, he uh, he sort of answered that, and I think that like um, uh, the reason I said earlier about 
I think I said that like you like really came for Mothman or like uh-huh. uh, really had a direct sort of uh, uh, thing for him or a question for him. Um, lights are distracting now. Oh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I thought it would be very cool, but it just kind of. Um, is fucking with me. <laughs> it, was, it was a candlelight setting. Yeah. So they were flickering red. What? Was it like a candle in a windstorm? Like, I don't know, yeah. What kind of, uh... It was, it was accurate, but like a little too accurate to the more extreme circumstance. Yeah, the person who like, uh, programmed that had only seen like a shitty candle. <laughs> okay, um, so Mothman, wrap it up. So wrap it up. Um, uh... Yeah, no, uh, we were, like, talking about that a little more, like, being, like, yeah, you know, like, being accepted for, like, everything, that's cool, dude. Like, you know, the kind of, like, uh, just sort of, like, agreeable conversation you have with people you don't know that well. Yeah. Um, and then his other friend came over. Yeah. And then we were, like, this is our opportunity to leave. Yeah, we should go now. And so we were like, thank you. Like, so great seeing this place. This place is great. Thank you. This has been a a, a good experience. This is a fun, a fun adventure, good Mm -hmm. experience kind of thing. A fun adventure. And then we exited Mothman's house and returned to Guar Bar like nothing happened. No one knows. But we were high as fuck. And everyone probably knew that. You think they? I don't think they noticed. No, I don't know. I remember I, I went and sat at like the picnic table with uh, some people. I was out. Oh, I was yeah, out yeah, till yeah. like four a.m. that morning. It was. It was actually a pretty awesome night. Like I after that was like two weeks ago. That was the weekend. Like before two or else. three weeks ago. Um, uh, you know, because like after Guar Bar, uh, we I uh, went with some uh, people to uh, to catch some uh, or not catch some pizza to uh, catch a slice of pizza. Uh, well, no, we went and got some pizza, and then we hung out at uh, this person's apartment, and it was like four, and then I was like, oh, shit, I should go home. And so I went home. <laughs> Fair. But it was like a really fun adventure of a night, um, like hanging outside the pizza place while it was cooking. Uh, it was that place, uh, I think it's called Valentino's, that's on Gray Street, uh-huh. that looks like it's out of like a mobile home. Yeah. Um, it's like a really tiny place that's mostly like pizza oven. And so, uh, you know, there wasn't much room to wait inside. So, uh, uh, we were just like perched up outside smoking cigarettes and stuff. It was cool as shit. It was, it was, a, it was such an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. I got bits of, uh, lighter, um, <laughs> label all over your carpet. I'm sorry about that. I didn't realize I was doing it until now. Come to the live show to see the whole experience, y'all. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, next producer's live show, I will bring all of the bits of the lighter label that I peeled off. Hey, I want to have Bear Hug on. What? Oh, that would be a fun reunion. Yeah. I, I would love to see Bear Hug again. I think that would be early 2020. Teasing mm-hmm. the episode now. I feel like, um, I don't know if I said this last time, but I felt like I was the most negative person on Bear Hug. So <laughs> I feel like um, I would be, um, God, I can't think of like the metaphor. Who's like the most, pro- like, Whoa, they got him back? They're back together with him? He's 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 also back? They yeah. let him come back? Kind of thing? I'm trying to think. Like, if Gwen Stefani and the guy from Bush broke up, <laughs> and then they went on tour together? Whoa, Gwen Stefani and the guy from Bush are on stage together singing Glycerine? <laughs> 
Holy shit! You think they'd want Gwen Stefani on Glycerine? I don't know. I that's Glycerine? the <laughs> that's I only remember half of that celebrity couple because I only know the guy as the guy from Bush. I, I think uh, he's Bush. I don't know enough about it to be honest. No, I was looking for live covers of Glycerine, uh-huh. um, that song by Bush. Um, you know the one about <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> okay, uh, <laughs> um, <coughs> Glycerine. Don't let the taste go by. Those might not be the right words. Um, anyways, so I was looking for live versions of that song, and uh, when I put it into Spotify, I was writing it down to put it as the intro. Outro music, <laughs> the sorry. first episode, I mean, the first uh, one of the results that came up was uh, a live version, I believe, with Gwen Stefani and Bush. And uh, I'm just going to pull out my phone right now to check this. Oh, um, hell yeah. I'll talk at the live with Gwen Stefani. Yes. Uh, Glycerine live featuring Gwen Stefani, song by Bush. Um, send it to me. Yeah. And uh, it's not a good version. They don't do a good job. Perfect. Um, it's why, not what I would want. Like, the the studio version has some charm to it. Like, it's a very, like, intimate-sounding song. It sounds very close. Um, but they play it like a stadium anthem, and it doesn't work. Uh-huh. Well, it's going to be the intro-out music to this song. Damn it! This I shouldn't podcast. have brought it up! Um, I'm a, if you request, I'll do the other one. No, no, no. You should do it. Um, uh, and leave in my searing criticism of it. Because I won't criticize Mothman, but I will c- criticize Gwen Stefani and her husband, Bush. <laughs> All right. Well, um, real quick, um, we're going to go ahead and end the episode. Yeah, like did we, we finish did Mothman's story? I think we did. We left, and we went to the Guar Oh, yeah, we went back to Guar Bar, and then I went and got pizza. Oh, and then we that. talked about, yeah, I think I got pizza, too, or something. Oh, nice. I don't remember. Uh, dude, that happened to me, like, this past weekend. It was like I was out super late, ended the night by getting pizza. <sighs> Folks, if you are if you close out a bar, you got to go get pizza get after. Get some fucking pizza. Yeah, uh, that's the, that's the thing to do. do. I, I like it. I mean, I don't know. At Second Best Fest, were you there when we closed out Canal Club? Um, I didn't go to pizza after. Oh, no, I don't know if there was pizza. Um, But I was like, there should have been. That would have been a great time for pizza. Mm -hmm. That was another... I didn't end up getting food that night. (laughs) It was very regretful. Nice. Oh, wait. Nice. 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 Yeah, dude. You learned a lesson, didn't you? Uh. (laughs) Um... So yeah, let's let's wrap up this episode. I got appointments to go to. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember the way the ways we end the show. So season this is season five. Okay, season five. I have classified this as season five. Um, what did a- what? Um, how have you like denoted uh, the beginning and ends of season? Is it life events in the in like your life or like changes in like the uh, uh, like the sort of way you make the producers podcast? So. I'm trying to think back. Um, I know the first season ended uh, episode around episode 20. I think it was 20 Matthew Forehand number two. Okay. Um, that was Was before. that the first number two? I mean. No, that was the second. Okay. And um, that was not a poop joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> um, so that was also when I uh, 
trimmed the format a little bit. It was no longer minimum two hours. It was. Oh wow! You used to have a minimum two hours. That was minimum. Damn, and like I've I've been getting worried because I think we're over the ninety minutes that you quoted me earlier. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I want to set attention. Um, excuse me, I got a quote for a ninety minute podcast, and that well, we're okay, going okay, on. Well, so the, some of the feedback I've got <laughs> make you want to be a ninety minute podcast. <laughs> You make me want to record a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, I got feedback that it was too long. Um, and I, I mean, episode 65. Too I did. long for me. Episode 65 was three hours. Whoa, what? Wait, who's that? Scott, Scott Beckett. Really? Scott Beckett? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, Scott Beckett's one of my guys. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I epi. have not really ever had any conversation with Scott Beckett, I guess. Yeah. Well, even he though was, we've he been was in my coach for Detective. Oh, then, okay, excellent. Yeah. Hmm. He is absolutely one of my absolute favorite people. He is hmm. incredible. He has a new podcast out. Go listen to it. It's Steely Dan. Uh, it's about Steely Dan. Ooh. That's all I know. I'm hoping Ooh, to get the I love network. Steely Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so then the season two was when it restarted. And then I believe, so season five started, I took a hiatus when I was going through moving. Okay. I stopped, I stopped doing episodes for like a month <clears throat> and season four was before that. And then season three was... Season two and three were somewhere in between 2018. I think in the middle I switched over, and I don't remember what denoted that. I think it was um, potentially being in a new space or kind of being in a new place. Not to rhyme, but okay. Um, I think I think it was. It seems like a good time to be like you know no no this is this is season three. It feels different from it, the other it, ones. I, I think I think that was like maybe. Uh, Dan Falarka three. Whoa! I think that might have been the time where. I, well, that and number I, three diarrhea. <laughs> yeah, that's what they call it. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that one felt different. I felt like I went through a really, uh, really intense maturation period, uh, October okay. of 2018. Like specifically, I can like. I could describe it like when was I on? I was on around then, wasn't it? It was 2018. No, I think you were earlier. Earlier, 20- you were season two. Okay, um, you were 29, I think. Um, yes, yeah. I, 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 I can check. And I, I recently turned 28, so oh, that really? sentence was confusing to me. Okay, wait. <laughs> wait, I can go back and check. Um, yeah, you were uh, you were twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah, we took this picture. I do remember that picture because I pointed out the weird bleach stains on your um, no. on your blanket. That weren't bleach stains; they were intentional bleach no, stains. No, I think no. Whether they were intentional or not, I'm I still maintain that it was uh, a bleach. Sure, it was bleach used to make the stains, which is a great transition transition mm-hmm. because the way we end the episode is um, similar to how we used to. You remember how we used to? That is one of three ways we end the episode. Okay. The Let me guess the other two. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, the second, that's number two. Number one is... Uh, no, no, sorry, I'll go, I'll go in reverse order like you're supposed to. Uh, number three is... 
I'm going to have you describe this painting that you've been staring at this whole time, as I told you. That's the that's season five's ending. Season one ending is back. You have to pick the weirdest thing in this room now, because there are weird things That's in what this I room. did last time, though. Well, Can yeah. I describe the painting? Well, no, you're going to, you're going to do all three. Oh, okay. But the thing is, is so... It was when I was in the old studio, uh, which which you missed. Uh, I think it was moving. I think it was moving and being in a studio was maybe what was the transition because I think Daniel was the first one I did in the studio. Okay, maybe not. Maybe it was a little bit before that. But um, yeah, when I was in the studio, it wasn't weird. There wasn't weird things everywhere because when I was in my room when you did the episode, it was like that was all of my possessions. I didn't have a common space kind of thing, so mm-hmm. you got to see everything, and I put everything on the walls. So, that was why I did that. But now that I have a living room, like, let's talk about the weirdest thing here. So, we're talking, so the first thing is, pick the weirdest thing. We'll talk about it. The second right. thing is, uh, how would you end this episode? And the third thing is, you're going to describe that painting. Okay. So, like Stanley Kubrick, I can tell that you've meticulously planned this room. <laughs> and so, I'm not going to go for any of the, uh, the uh, obvious ones. Uh, say, the painting from earlier that she said that uh, everyone's been staring at. Yep. The fake cactus. I will also not be talking <laughs> about that. No one has. No well, one has you yet. know what? They haven't been fooled either, and I'm not going to be the first <laughs> one. Okay. So, um, that gets guitar pick that's uh, wedged into the strings uh, right there on the 12th fret. I'm not talking about that. Yeah, it's a weird place to stash it, but you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, what a detail. You know, the bottle of red wine that's on your light switch? Oh, fuck. Not talking about it. You know, I know it's a trap. I know you planned it. I know you want me to talk about it, and that's why you put it there. I'm going to look over here. Oh, you think that painting of the, uh, is that, that is not the Ninth Street Bridge, but it is, um... I don't know, it might be the 9th Street Bridge, but I know which bridge. It's the bridge that Belvedere turns into. Um, no, it's not, because it's too far downtown. It is the 9th Street Bridge. Folks, you think that painting of the 9th Street Bridge <laughs> coming across it from south side into north side, where you can see the old Richmond skyline that doesn't have the new Dominion Tower in it, is what I'm going to talk about? No one has ever mentioned that, well, you except know for the what? person who gave it to me. Oh, that that is specifically coming from south to north? South to north. Mm-hmm. Good, or I guess, eye. you know, there may be good not um, a motion in it, um, but you are on the south side of the river looking I, north. There's something has been captured, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, uh, big or not. Yes. You might be in the SunTrust building. I used to work there. <laughs> How is it there? I used to see. No, the we're not pe- doing okay, this. Okay, we get save this for Phil Shepard three, three. <laughs> um, and we're going to talk about what it's what the people in the SunTrust building are like. Because <laughs> I saw them at Subway. Um, okay, um, uh, let me think. The weirdest thing in this room is you, Jonathan. Oh, that's been done. <laughs> no, damn it. Really? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> that's been done. Oh, okay, the fake cactus. It's so weird. <laughs> Why is it fake? What, can you not keep a real cactus alive? It's a damn cactus. How much do you have to feed it? How much sunlight does it it couldn't possibly need? Does Floyd eat the cactus? Does, it, does that one make him hungry? What's going on, Jonathan? 
I need answers. <laughs> it was supposed to be a, a coaster set, but the coasters are so ridiculous that I never use them. I just have a fake coaster oh, cactus on my The idea coffee is table. you sit down at the coffee table and break off a coaster. <laughs> What kind of psycho would go into a person's house, break off another piece of furniture to put their drink on? What the fuck? That's a fucked up way to treat someone else's house. You gotta respect people's spaces. When you go to visit someone's house, you be nice. You say thank you. I love coasters, and I saw it on Amazon. It looked cool. <laughs> I was like, let me get it. <laughs> okay, was, my answer is a fake cactus. That was, uh, I'm emotional. All right, well, if, you, if this was your podcast, how would you end this episode? Um, uh, I'd do a nice plug at the end. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> you want to plug your shows? Uh, I don't have any shows. So what are you plugging? What am I plugging? Come on, man. I don't know. Definitely um, check out Richmond Comedy Coalition. I love that theater. And if you ever want to see me do anything funny, uh, it's not on that stage, but it might be after the show. (laughs) Milling about with all the performers. When I fall into the gutter or something. (laughs) Watch that. Watch this boy wearing white shoes slip. Um, well, I'll plug the Dad's Clone show on the 16th and then Gossip Badge at Riot on the mm. 17th. Oh, yeah. Check out a- uh, AIPW. Oh, yeah. It's um, coming up. What, what does that stand for again? Amazingly awesome. Insane, Amazingly insane Pro, Pro Wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. yeah, it's the uh, wrestling improv show that uh, we fought each other on. It's coming up in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of our characters are coming back, I believe. Yep. yep. Is that okay? Yeah. As far as I know, it's confirmed. I'm not as making a new know. character. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I had trick. some new character ideas, but we'll we'll talk about that later. We'll oh, talk about that really. later. Number three. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are my plugs. Great. Oh, um, uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at uh, cashew underscore poppy. There you go. Get a good. That's a good plug. Yeah, yeah. No, I like I like posting on Instagram. I like being silly on there. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Although, since I can't have my phone at work, I can't post at work. Woof. Yeah, I know. Prime time hours. I know, but I still try to do interesting stuff. Do your thing. Do your thing. Um, All right. Um, So originally. Doing season five, I was uh, unsure how to end the episode, and it took three or four episodes to get to where that is now, where I do these three endings. Um, and this is by far my favorite. I found this picture in an alley, um, given to me basically by a great friend, future friend of the show, Ian Hess. Go check out his art, Ian C. Hess, mm. on Instagram. He's incredible. Um, I think I'm going to have him design the next tattoo I get. Oh, nice. I think he'll do a really good job. Um, but. Uh, he was closing down Endeavor to open up a new space, and he was kind of giving away some stuff, and he basically gave that to me. And I love that painting very much, so you have had the pleasure of staring at it for about two hours, so mm-hmm. I want to just hear you describe it, because uh, basically I'm having everyone do that. Yeah. And it's literally uh, reminded me of everything I've brought up tonight. Anytime I need inspiration, I look over there and I go, oh yeah! Oh yeah, okay, perfect, get into it. 
Um, so it is a skeleton wearing a brown business suit, a uh, sort of light brown like you'd see in the 70s. He's got a dollar bill pinned on his breast, um, and the tie is ripped off uh, sort of before it gets below his nipples or where his nipples were be would be. Um, he also has gears on the inside of his chest um, that are presumably make him operate. <laughs> That's right, folks. Presu- are presumably make him operate. Um, he's eating something that looks like a sloppy joe, but there's a lot of life painted into it, like it might be squirming. And he's got his mouth open wide like a snake so he can bite the whole sandwich at once. But he doesn't have his fingers pulled back, which makes me think that he's either going to maybe bite off his fingers or mash the top bun up against his fingers when he bites into it. Well, if it's, he's all bones, though. Yeah. I've um, never commented, but that's my first comment. Yeah. <laughs> and I love so, that so much. Um, uh, moving up from there, his eyes are orange um, uh, in a stark contrast to the background, which are shades of green. Oh, I love when they mention the greens. Mm-hmm. And it's that's greens in part. sort of a whirling pattern, like you're being hypnotized. It mm-hmm. does a great job of drawing you in to the skeleton's. Mouth and eyes and nose, uh, yes. where right. he's eating that squirmy, sloppy Joe. Um, and uh, so he has red hair, and uh, it's sort of like a buzz cut, um, which is unusual for a skeleton since uh, as your body decomposes, your hair like sort of goes out and becomes sort of nasty looking. Um, and on top of that, there's something that looks like a dead possum. <laughs> Um, but it has a few too many appendages on it. So it makes me think it's not a possum, a dead shaved possum that is turquoise. And it has a big old eye and, um, uh, but definitely looks as dead as the skeleton below it. Wow. That was incredible. I'm Thank you. so happy that I have so many people describing this painting because I feel like it's such you gotta a, make a super cut I, that's the I next stage of this painting yeah I, and I wanna give it to Ian and let him fucking listen yeah to it. The people, I feel like that's like how people interpret it like cause some people like it took like two episodes for people to mention the green which I was really? very surprised about I think it's uh, it's really good. It um, makes it like stand apart because you also have red curtains uh, on the windows near it. Yeah, and so uh, you think uh, think it's too red? No, no, I like the red curtains. They they work really well. Um, Maybe like in the summer, it makes it look a a bit too warm. But um, sure, it's it's already warm. Yeah, but no, in the winter you're gonna want these red curtains. (laughs) (laughs) Making you make me want to have red (laughs) curtains. It's my new thing. It never gets old. <laughs> I don't think it will. I think I'm on board for every single one of them. Oh, perfect. Well, the only way to end the episode now is for you to say goodbye. Bye.
Thank you.